0: I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal. And this is your Peak Daily for Monday, June 6th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance and tech, all in about seven minutes. Brett, we missed the cutoff to do a podcast about the election results last week, but you had some predictions on Friday. How close were you and your spreadsheet to the actual results?
1: That was pretty close. Let's go through the final results here. So the Doug Ford's Progressive Conservatives won a second majority government with 83 seats. The NDP got 31 seats and the Liberals only gained one seat, bringing them up to eight. So I think my biggest mistake was I overestimated the Liberals. So I said 73, 34, 16. A lot of that 16 for the Liberals went over to the PC. But I was pretty close with my NDP numbers and with the PC numbers. So I'm pretty proud of myself for that performance.
0: It's pretty good. It's like you've been in this business for a while.
1: I have to say, Jay, it just it really reinforces how big of nerds that my friends and I are. That I could go through this spreadsheet with every Ontario riding and make a call one way or the other. And then we we all went to the bar to watch it, and we got into a big fight because there was, rightfully so, a big group of people that wanted to watch the Edmonton Oilers versus the Colorado Avalanche. And then we we're sitting at this table saying, "No, no, put the election on, put the Ontario election that had forty three percent turnout on." which was a fun dynamic.
0: <laughs> Half of that turnout was in the bro with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Brett, aside from election results, what do we have for peak Pals this Monday?
1: For our first story, dairy farmers are struggling to get their products onto shelves. For our second story, Elon Musk is worried about the economy. And for our third story, Canada's economy has a productivity problem.
0: For our first story, amidst rampant inflation and supply chain disruptions, dairy farmers are struggling to get their products under grocery store shelves. Another day, another supply chain issue. Brett, what are dairy farmers up against right now?
1: So K-Dairy farmers are facing record price spikes for a range of commodities needed to produce milk. So what they're doing is asking the government to hike the set prices that determine how much they are guaranteed to receive for their product.
0: And here is some background on the issue. Between July 2021 and March 2022, the cost of fertilizer jumped 44%. Fuel jumped by 32% and feed by 8%. But the last bump in dairy prices was only, only, I'm going to say only because I know we had a conversation about this on the podcast, 8.4%. Well,
1: and despite it being the highest set price increase on record, leaving critics in utter disbelief, you get it, Jay?
0: Oh, that's not funny.
1: (laughs) The adjustment did not account for the spike in prices fueled by the war in Ukraine or the grain shortage owing to droughts across the prairies.
0: Farmers across North America are battling rising costs of, well, everything. Beyond feed, fertilizer, and fuel, the three Fs, prices for some herbicides have jumped by 265% over the last year, while interest rate hikes have made business loans even more expensive.
1: As the overall inflation rate for groceries hit around 10%, the Retail Council of Canada partly blames producers, but dairy farmers say higher set prices impact the top of the supply chain and are removed from the prices that retailers actually end up charging. So Jay, why should peak pals care about dairy pricing?
0: Well, many Canadians are struggling to keep up with the soaring food prices still. As farmers face increased costs of their own, the continued viability of Canada's farming industry will rely on striking a balance between both ends of the supply chain.
1: For our second story, billionaire CEO Elon Musk is feeling quote-unquote super bad about the economy and will move to pause hiring and cut 10% of his Tesla workforce. He said in an email to executives, When Elon talks, it's probably worth listening. What's his prediction, Jay?
0: Well, it's impossible not to listen because it's everywhere. Well, here's some context. Before his warning, Tesla had about 5,000 job postings worldwide and Musk had just told employees they needed to spend 40 hours a week at least in the office or go, quote, pretend to work somewhere else. And we did talk about this last week.
1: Now, Musk is feeling super bad about the economy and is proceeding with cuts, but he isn't the only executive raising concerns over the risk of a recession. JP Morgan Chase, CEO Jamie Dimon, predicts an economic hurricane as the war in Ukraine, soaring inflation, and a fresh round of interest rate hikes continue to darken the economic forecast.
0: Goldman Sachs President John Waldron said the current economic turmoil is one of the most challenging periods he has ever faced in his career.
1: But on a more positive note, Bank of America's CEO said low unemployment, wage growth, and high spending are good things, even though they pose a challenge for policymakers trying to keep the economy from overheating.
0: And for all the doom and gloom coming from business leaders, some key economic indicators still look pretty darn good, Brett. Canada's unemployment rate is at record lows, and the U.S. added 390,000 new jobs in May. Not what you'd expect during a recession. Wayoffs and
1: industries vulnerable to economic uncertainty like tech have started to kick off with Meta, Instacart, and Klarna all announcing big cuts. Whether that's an early sign of things to come in the rest of the economy, that remains to be seen. Which brings us to why all this talk of the economy matters, Jay.
0: Well, central banks are trying to thread the needle of taming inflation, without sending the economy into a recession. It's anyone guess if they'll actually succeed. That balance may be more difficult to strike in Canada than in the U.S. actually, due to our economy's dependence on housing, a sector that's especially sensitive to interest rate changes and accounts for almost 10% of our GDP, which is actually twice more than the U.S.
1: Now, Musk and other executives are pre-dialed into the global economy, but business leaders and economists alike can often be wrong. We definitely know that just by doing this podcast. Remember back in 2021 when even the Treasury Secretary said inflation would be a short-term thing.
0: And for our third and final story, we aren't talking about that to-do list that you've been putting off for weeks now. Canada's got a bigger productivity problem on its hands that threatens to drag down both business profits and wages. Brett, this doesn't sound great, especially considering our last story. What's up? So Canada's
1: productivity level fell to 0.5% in the fourth quarter of 2022, marking the seventh consecutive quarter of falling productivity. And Jay, for those who aren't in the know, how do economists actually define what this productivity is?
0: Well, me being an economist, I will try to describe it. Well, I'm just kidding. I'm not an economist, but here is the answer that you're looking for. Productivity is a measure of how much of something you get, the output, for each unit of input you use to produce it. A basic example of this, if I make 10 widgets per hour and then start using a new fancy machine that lets me make 10 widgets per hour, I have doubled my labor productivity. You took an economics class, Jay, didn't you? 101, yeah. There we
1: go. That's all you need. When Statistics Canada reports the productivity fell by 0.5%, it means that the GDP per total hours worked in the economy fell by 0.5% during Q1. So total economic output didn't rise in line with the increase in how many hours Canadians worked.
0: Growing productivity doesn't always mean the economy is doing well, though. Sometimes in a recession, hours worked will fall faster than output and productivity will go up even while the economy shrinks and people lose their jobs.
1: And here's why it matters if you want to improve people's standards of living increasing productivity is the main way to do it without productivity growth businesses struggle to grow profits and workers wages stagnate or decline part of the reason that canadians standard of living increased so much in the 1960s and 70s is because productivity grew by two to three percent every year in canada productivity growth has been slow since 2000 and our productivity level is now below every other g7 country except japan
0: yikes it's difficult to point to any one factor that's dragging down canada's productivity. Governments and business leaders will need to tackle different causes, ranging from not enough business investment in technology and tools to a mismatch of worker skills with what high-paying employers need.
1: Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to, and only, daily Canadian business news podcast in the country.
0: If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review.
1: And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode.
0: Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, the one thing I did learn in Econ 101, people respond to incentives. So right now, I'm going to give you an incentive to get to Buffalo sometime this summer, beef on weck is a world-class sandwich that is really only in buffalo and you gotta get there that's your incentive so prove econ 101 right and get to buffalo this summer
1: i'm not gonna do that <laughs> it was not on my list of places to go and i don't think you changed it
0: well i'll post a picture right now on twitter on jaym rosenthal yeah on my twitter handle and you'll see that it is a sandwich worth the drive
1: okay okay we'll, we'll take a look
0: have a good monday brett
1: you too jay